I'm Matt Bush with BPR News. I'm speaking with Jackie Grant, the newly uh, appointed president of the North Carolina Bar Association. Jackie, thanks for so much for coming in today. Thank you for having me, Matt. So you're a member of Robertson Stevens firm here in Asheville? I am. I'm a partner with Robertson Stevens. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, We do a full-service law firm in Asheville here, covering all of Western North Carolina. And you're also a Nashville native? Uh, Born and raised in Asheville, yes. <laughs> Very good. Um, so what's it mean to be the president of the Bar Association to you? The uh, North Carolina Bar Association is the voluntary bar of lawyers, whereas uh, the North Carolina State Bar is the mandatory bar that handles the licensing and disciplinary action with lawyers. Uh, The North Carolina Bar Association, uh, we have over 20,000 members, and the North Carolina Bar Association covers everything else for lawyers. Um, So we handle, um, we look at proposed legislation, anything that affects the legal system, the judiciary. Um, We may take stands or positions on those bills. Um, We also, through our foundation, do a lot of public service activities for um, citizens across North Carolina. You're the first woman west of of Charlotte to be uh, to to have this position. So I guess a question really to ask you: Is there anything really? Are there challenges in Western North Carolina? I guess that people face with the legal system that may not exist in the rest of the state of North Carolina. I don't think there are any different challenges that um, people in the western part of the state face. the The difference is, however, obviously our Court of Appeals, our North Carolina Supreme Court. They are all located in Raleigh. So to the extent uh, you have a case that ends up on appeal, it requires some distance and travel from, uh, for lawyers in Western North Carolina, as well as litigants who are located in Western North Carolina. I guess there's no real way to change that, <laughs> right? <laughs> there is no way to change it. Um, one interesting thing that the court did this year, however, is that the uh, Supreme Court the North Carolina Supreme Court, for the first time in I don't know how many years it's been, they traveled throughout the state. So this is the first year they actually held a session in Buncombe County. They held a session in Henderson County. They held a session in Morganton. It is rare that they can get permission to travel across the state to hold sessions. So you mentioned that you look at legislation, you sort of take positions on those sorts of things. One thing that certainly has been, I think, discussed a lot in the United States is criminal justice reform. And I think a lot of the focus, though, has not been on lawyers necessarily. It's been on police powers. It's been on sentencing guidelines. It's been on ways uh, that uh, to, to drop the recidivism rate of people going back into prison. So where do lawyers sort of fit into this puzzle of criminal justice reform? I know you said you're not a criminal lawyer, but where does do lawyers sort of fit into this of changing some of these laws uh, that we've seen in the past uh, past decade or so? So I think lawyers fit in in several areas. First, lawyers can um, champion the changes in laws. They can highlight the issues that maybe the general public is not aware of or, or that even legislatures, uh, the General Assembly is not aware of. So lawyers are able to talk about their experiences, what they observe in the legal system and where there is room for improvement. Obviously, lawyers can speak before the General Assembly when they have public hearings to talk about why reform is needed. The other thing is that lawyers fit 
get in at all levels. So obviously we know at the local level you have public defenders and you have lawyers who do pro bono work when it comes to uh, defense, uh, criminal defense work. But you also have it at the appellate level. You also have lawyers who are volunteering their time to do pro bono when it comes to expungement of records, when it comes to trying to navigate people through the legal system. Um, And so I would say that lawyers are involved in all aspects of it, but I think it's there we play a vital role in educating the public and the legislature on changes that we see um, that could be helpful to the judicial system. One of the things the Bar Association would like to educate people about is one of the six proposed state constitutional amendments that's going to be before voters this fall that just came out of the General Assembly session, which finished last month. That has to deal with judicial vacancies. Right now, the governor appoints uh, people to fill those vacancies if this constitutional amendment is approved, the General Assembly would. Uh, talk about that and talk about what the Bar Association's stance on that is and what you would like the people to know, the public to know. So with regards to the proposed constitutional amendment that will be on the November ballot, it involves, uh, for now, the way that uh, judicial vacancies are filled. So the way that it's currently done, if there is, let's say, a district court or superior court seat that becomes vacant, uh, generally within that jurisdictional district, so the state's divided up into jurisdictional districts, within that jurisdictional district, the local bar will... uh, select a slate of candidates to uh, nom- to pass up to the governor, to nominate to the governor. And the governor typically chooses from that list, and he's not or she's not bound by that list, um, but they usually choose from that list and will appoint somebody from that list. Under the proposed constitutional amendment, um, the way the bill reads is that local commissions would be established and the commissions uh, would be appointed by the people who would serve on these commissions would be appointed by the chief justice of the North Carolina Supreme Court, uh, the governor and the general assembly. Now we don't have any of the details in the bill right now, and this would most likely be in the enabling legislation that would not be drafted until after it was either if the amendment is passed. Um, so we don't know how many of these seats each the general assembly would get, the governor would get, and the chief justice of the North Carolina Supreme Court. But they would; it would be a nine-panel commission. And this commission would screen out people who were interested in in serving uh, in in filling the vacancy or people who were nominated by others, and they would basically determine if the person was qualified or or unqualified, not qualified. And those who are qualified, those names would be passed on to the General Assembly. The General Assembly would select two of those uh, people, and those two would be given to the governor, and the governor would select from the two that the General Assembly, the General Assembly uh, passed to him. Um, That's a departure, obviously, from what we currently have, because essentially the General Assembly would be selecting uh, or at least finalizing who the final two candidates are for this for the uh, to fill the vacancy uh, whereas currently it's the governor and because it is a change from the way that the Constitution allows for the filling of these vacancies uh, this 
requires a constitutional amendment. The North Carolina Bar Association, we're in the process of, of working on this right now. Uh, we've not taken a position on the bill. Instead, we think it's our role to educate the public about the effects of the amendments and what the amendment is, because a lot of people are not going to know it's called the Sunshine Act. A lot of people are not going to know what the Sunshine Act is. So we are in the process of finalizing some details uh, so that we can educate the public, most likely through public forums that will be held across the state uh, of what the bill is um, and the potential effects of that bill. And we envision having uh, people who will speak in favor of the bill and people who are opposed to the bill so that we just bring the information to the public so they can make an informed decision in November. So I guess it's not that you don't necessarily have a stance on this. Because, as you also said, there will be enabling legislation if this is approved uh, if this is approved by voters. Is that correct, just to put it that way? That is correct. So we did not take a position for the very reason the bill doesn't have enough in it at this point in time to take a position. You really have to see what the enabling legislation is. However, we do, obviously, one of the things that we do point out, though, is that anytime you're talking about a constitutional amendment, That's a serious measure. And so while we've not taken a position for or against the bill because we don't really have enough information yet in the bill, there are issues, you know, concerns that we do have uh, in the sense that whenever you're undertaken to amend the Constitution, uh, you don't do that very lightly. And you only want to do that um, when necessary. And, 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 you know, it's important that people understand the difference between general legislation, which the General Assembly passes, versus constitutional amendments. Uh, So obviously it does have our attention because we're talking about a constitutional amendment, um, but we've not taken a position. We feel it's our job, though, to educate our members and the public of what this bill says and what the potential effects are, recognizing without the enabling legislation, there are a lot of details that are missing. And what can you say, I guess, a bit about what's been coming out of the General Assembly past few years that regards the judiciary? Um, it has been nonpartisan. You don't have party names on next to next to judicial candidates and all that. Uh, but there seems to be maybe a push to inject some of that into the judiciary. What do you say about that? Yeah. So the the bar association does not get in the middle of uh, does not take uh, sides and does not uh, participate in partisan politics whatsoever. However, we have taken positions in the last couple of years on uh, bills or proposed legislation that the General Assembly um, has uh, proposed. Um, we, we, we agree there has been an increased number of proposed legislation by the General Assembly that affects the judicial branch. For us, the, the test for any proposed legislation is whether it allows for judicial independence. So for us, it is essential when we look at any proposed legislation that it does not encroach upon the judiciary, that it allows the judiciary to be impartial, to decide cases based on the law, and to be impartial, and to be fair, and to be independent, and to not feel that it is uh, subservient to any branch of the government, whether it's the executive or whether it is the legislative branch. 
So for us, that is how we evaluate all proposed legislation is, does it promote judicial independence? Um, Having said that, we have taken positions this past year. For example, there was a proposed House Bill 717 uh, that sought to uh, change the judicial districts and uh, of particular importance for me being from Asheville was that the initial draft sought to split Buncombe County into two different districts. We're not sure how that was going to work in a single courthouse and, and, and how you were going to have part of the county going to certain judges and, and of the, of the other part of the county going to other judges. Uh, fortunately for us, um, House Bill 717 went through several amendments, and the last amendment that went through, it dropped the proposal with regards to Buncombe County. It did continue to divide Mecklenburg County into several more districts. Um, so our position on there uh, on, with regards to that bill was in opposition merely because of the process. Uh, usually when you're talking about changing judicial districts, we don't denied that sometimes that needs to be done when population changes, but usually there's a process by which you go through to make sure that you've got accurate data and your decision is based on that data. So we did take a position in opposition to House Bill 717 because there had not been any of the background work done on that. And I am um, mindful and appreciative of the fact that the General Assembly in the end uh, did realize that there were some issues with that bill and scaled back considerably from what the initial proposal was. My last question is kind of a broader one. Um, you talk that the Bar Association, a lot of what your goal is to educate people. And you're actually talking about legislation. You're talking about things on the ballot. What about people experience, how people's experiences with the court system? How do you educate people about that? Because I think there is certainly not, a, I don't want to say a disconnect, but maybe uh, just a general lack of understanding of it if people have not had to come in contact with it. So how do you sort of reach out to people who may not be thinking about particular legislation or voting, but just their sort of general interactions with the court system? So through the North Carolina Bar Foundation, um, we have a lot of educational projects that we do. Um, We do a mock trial uh, competition for high school students to educate them about the judicial system. Um, We do, I think probably people are aware of this, the For All, which is the program that we do annually in March where we team up with WLOS, we team up with different stations across the, the state where we just answer People can call in and ask whatever question they want, and we answer those questions. We have um, a free legal answer service that we do where uh, even uh, you could call up and ask questions, and you could get a – we would pair you up with a lawyer who would answer your questions. It may be something you're going through, a question you may have about the legal system. We also now, as of last year – we went online. So you now can submit free legal answers. You can submit your questions online to the Bar Association. There is through our website, you can submit a question. And lawyers um, will take those questions and respond back to you. Um, So we have those measures that we do. We also, through our foundation, do a lot of public service. We do Wills for Heroes. Uh, So for people uh, who've been in the armed service, we do uh, free wills for them. Um, Same thing for uh, first responders and law enforcement. 
We have a lot of other programs. We obviously give grants to a lot of different uh, programs, including fiscal legal services here locally uh, and Legal Aid of North Carolina. Um, so it's through our foundation where we have a huge educational component that we try to educate uh, the high school students. We try to get to uh, civic groups. Um, so and and just individuals by contacting us through any of those measures where you can get your legal questions answered. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Anything else you'd like people to know about? The the only thing that I would say is that um, I would encourage people to uh, check out the North Carolina Bar Association, uh, their uh, our website as well as our foundation website, and and particularly our foundation website because we have so many programs that I think the citizens of North Carolina. Carolina does not do not rec do not realize, and uh, there are so many programs out there to help the citizens of North Carolina, whether it's through free le- free legal services uh, or or similar measures that um, we provide. Jackie Grant, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for having me.